Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Deadly, the Director's Cut, where we speak with the women-identified directors who are making the horror movies we love so much. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast. We celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortably included in a space that centers the work of women. I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me is truly one of the greatest people on this planet. I took a poll. Everyone agreed. It's Ariel. You're ridiculous, but hello. <laughs> hello! How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah? Yeah. I went away this weekend and I was very sad that you weren't with us. I know. That would have been lovely, but it sounds like you had a great time. I did. I made myself sick eating charcuterie again, but other than that, it was great. I went swimming a lot. I It was 105 degrees Ooh, where we were. That's good pool so. weather. Yeah, it was great. And it was one of those pools that has like a little mermaid shelf. So Ooh. like even if you don't want to go all the way in, like I just spent a lot of the, my time sitting up to my waist on the mermaid <laughs> shelf while everybody like swam around and played with the pool floaties. I felt like the queen. And uh, one of the people we were with brought these little individual floaties that you could put like a can in. So I had my like beverage floating next to me. Let me tell you, nothing makes you feel more luxurious than being in a pool like up to your waist with a beverage floating next to you. <laughs> that does sound pretty great. <laughs> mine, mine was a little flamingo, but there was like Aww. a pineapple and a donut and a little island with a palm tree. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. <laughs> we're going to have to plan. I've decided we need a zombie girls getaway. And I think we're going to just rent the same exact house okay. because it's got the most amazing pool. It's got like a, a separate area with like a grill and it's got, it's just, it's awesome. And you can like walk to the little downtown. The downtown is a little sketch. I'm not going to lie. Okay. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little sketch. Like politically. But if you have the pool in the house, you can just sequester yourself there. Yeah, we walked down and like had dinner at the barbecue place that has like amazing cornbread. But Ooh. other than that, we basically just posted up there and like ate and swim and ate and swim and ate and swim. <laughs> Sounds pretty great. <laughs> but I've definitely missed you there. We're gonna have to do something like that at some yeah, point. Totally. Yeah, totally. How about you? Awesome. What have you been up to? On uh, nothing as interesting as that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, I can think of one cool thing that you did recently. Yeah? You talked to Alice Mayo McKay. Oh, you're <laughs> You're so sneaky. You give me every time when you do that. You're so <laughs> You're so bad. <laughs> yes, we have such an exciting episode for you guys today. I'm serious. Like you know, there's nothing that gets me more excited than talking to like really amazing creative people. Um, and Alice is absolutely one of those people. And 
has such a great story and such an inspiring story, which you're going to tell us in a minute. But for those who are not familiar with her work, she is the director of the film So Vam, which is out this week on Shudder. And we got the chance. She's in, I think, Australia, which was very nice for her to get up very early in the morning to talk to us about it was very her kind of her. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I had I thought it was, the conversation was great. What about you? Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just so fascinating to be talking to somebody who's in their teens and has created multiple movies. I am very impressed. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. I'm trying to think, what had I created at 19? Like a bad <laughs> reputation? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into it. Why don't you tell me a little bit about Alice? All right. So Alice is a transgender 17-year-old director and screenwriter from, like you said, Australia. She has always known that she wanted to write, but it wasn't until she was in fifth or sixth grade that she landed on making films, (laughs) which I just love even saying that because so many times it'll be like, they figured it out in college or after college. But no, she was like a little ass kid. (laughs) That's amazing. All right. So apparently she got the opportunity to go onto the set of some movies that were filming locally. And after she did that, she was totally hooked. So she says that growing up, she was influenced by movies like Kaboom, Ed Wood, and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, that's so interesting because, like, as we'll talk about when we get into the review, like, this is so camp. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So I totally can see those influences for sure. She started making films when she was 12 years old. Oh my goodness. That is that is amazing. That's actually to know yourself well enough at that age is so extraordinary. I mean, yeah. I'm sure she's still learning so much. Yeah, but, of course, of course. But to even have that degree of self-awareness is incredible. At 12 years old, she also started her own production company <laughs> oh called One goodness. Manor Productions, which has oh produced all of her films. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. She began her directing career by doing stop motion animation and making shorts with her friends. And then when she was around the age of 13, she made what she considers her first real movie, which was a short film called A Tale of the Laundry Game, which was through Stephen King's Dollar Baby Project and actually Mm. premiered at Monster Fest. That's so cool. That is really, really impressive. After that, she made a few other short films before making her first feature film, So Bam, which is what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. It premiered at Salem Horror Fest in 2021 and won two awards there. It is now, like you said, available on Shutter and as a Shutter exclusive. And if you're interested in what she's directing next, listen to our interview because she tells us about all of her upcoming projects. I know. She's also, on top of all of this, she's also like super prolific. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Incredibly so. Yeah. That's so awesome. So we're going to get into a little synopsis and we're going to talk about our feelings about the film in a non-spoilery way. We're going to do our very best to avoid spoilers. Uh, We do touch on a few things in the film during the interview, obviously, that may be considered spoilers. So proceed with caution or, you know, it's on Shudder. Like we said, go watch it come back and listen to it. It's out today and easily easy to get your hands on. Quick synopsis of the film. Kurt is a queer kid living in a small town in Australia with dreams of moving to the city and becoming a drag queen. As you do, totally relate. (laughs) (laughs) He's constantly bullied by his classmates and eventually he is targeted by a very predatory vampire who um, in some ways unintentionally ushers them into the world uh, of the undead and a crew of queer vampires that ultimately empower Kurt 
and help him kind of discover his true self and maybe even uh, maybe a little bit of love, maybe a little, a little romance. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what did you think of Sovam? So I really liked this film a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, there are points at which you can tell this was made with a small budget, but it is so unapologetically queer mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is so visually interesting. All of the colors and the way that she filmed everything is really cool too, like the color palette, the aesthetics. And I think that you can see her very clear voice when you're mm-hmm. watching this movie. And mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly impressive given, given how young she is, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of realism in the bullying scenes, which make it sometimes hard to watch, but effective, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just loved all of the friendships and even that, like, kind of flawed relationship he had with his dad, you know? Mm -hmm. Plus all the drag. I mean, I don't know. It's a lot of of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's clearly an indie film, but what makes a movie special oftentimes is not its slickness it's not its um, polish it's there is a spark and life and originality to something yeah and i think this film absolutely has that like you said you can sense that there is a point of view behind this film and the and the style of the filmmaking it's very much in that style of camp that you know is not for everyone but i if you love john waters if you love um the movies that you referenced earlier if those are things that speak to you like this is very much of that genre and captures that spirit that sort of queer diy unapologetic outsider spirit that i really connect with i think it's actually quite beautiful in places i Mm -hmm. think it has a lot to say i think that queer empowerment stories are often told to like as more so to a straight audience and and like in a way that is educational than it is you know to us for us by us kind of thing and this really does that like straight people are are, cis people are along are invited to come along for the ride and to see the story play out and we'll have a great time but it's not meant it's not speaking to them directly and it's not interested in educating. Like you can figure it out, but this is not necessarily made just for you, which I think is also one of the strengths of this film because it avoid it allows to tell, um, the story to tell like a very queer story without ever feeling like an after school special. Yeah, that's true. And it also, it has a lot of heart, but you're right mm. that it never feels like it's pandering to mm-hmm. you at all. No. And that's pretty impressive because I think a lot of times films like this are made from kind of a jaded perspective, you know, right. and I don't know if it's because of her youth or just the way that she's lived her life or whatever, but I feel like there's so much kind of warmth to this movie Mm -hmm. and the way that the characters connect with each other that's really refreshing yeah there's some fun world building in this too yeah totally yeah Yeah, i don't know i really i you know you never know when you're getting into like a small like indie film what you're going to think and i was really really impressed by this i really liked this a lot yeah Um, and and again just having a movie that's this put together and like mm -hmm. an idea from start to finish is so impressive from somebody so young. It just kind of yeah. blows my mind to think I about. I mean, it's impressive 
period. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you add to that the fact that it is, a, you know, a first feature film, and you're right. just like, holy shit, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Makes me very excited to see what else she's going to create. Very excited. Like if this is where she's starting, yeah, I can't wait to see where she goes. Yeah. All right. So I think it's pretty clear we recommend people check this out. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, what do you say we get into this interview with Alice? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Here we go. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. This is super exciting. We are huge fans of Zovam. I can't even imagine what it must feel like to finally get to see your work out in the world the way that it is. I'd love to know, first of all, how it was premiering it at Salem Horror Film Festival and now seeing it end up on Shutter to a broader audience. How did those experiences compare for you? Well, I never expected it to premiere at Salem. Like, I was very surprised. I didn't really expect anything for the film. I was just, I mean, I wanted to get it out there, obviously, but you don't really expect good things to happen. Um, it was, like, a really amazing experience, um, especially, like, having it run by a trans woman as well, like, especially my film being so queer, and it's just, like, a really great experience. And I think it connected with an audience who understood it as well, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And then Shudder is, like, very wow. Um I don't know, yeah. I believe it. It's like this platform that I've been like watching and it's like my film's going to be a Shutter exclusive on there. It's very like humbling and exciting. That's incredible. That's so exciting. So I was reading some stuff about you and noticed that you started to make horror movies at the age of 12, which just kind of blows my mind. I think Rachel and I were just watching horror movies at sleepovers at that age. <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing that you were actually making them. Can you tell us about what made you want to start making movies and why you picked horror in particular? I don't know why I picked horror in particular. I think it's because I got the rights to do the Stephen King thing through his dollar baby and then that kind of launched me into, like, making horror. Like, I was watching horror, but it wasn't, like, religiously, like, every night a horror film. Um, uh-huh. But then, like, making films, I think, I don't know, like, I always wanted to write stuff, like, short stories and whatnot. And then I just got opportunities to work on, like, random smaller film and TV productions. And then I was like, this is, like, a possibility. And, I mean, of course, like, the films are made very, like, trash. But, like, I don't know, it was a good learning experience to be like, I can just do this and then yeah spilled my way out that's incredible so, <laughs> you make horror films like someone who loves horror films yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh you know you make a point of making this connection between how queerness has been a part of horror from the very beginning it's inextricably linked but we still to this day get so few horror films where the queer experience is front and center do you feel like that's something that's changing like there's definitely like indie films and like the odd Blumhouse film where you get like one queer character. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know if it's challenging. Like there's more opportunities I think for indie films and like if you search, I guess you can find it. But like in the mainstream lens, like not really. I mean, I don't think I've seen a lot. I could probably count them on my hand. But um, yeah, yeah, that's true. There are very very few. So one of the things that I really loved about your movie was some of the fun practical effects that you had in there. So much blood splatter was great, but I really appreciated that fun face melting scene. Yes, the eyebrows. (laughs) Yeah. Can you talk about how you did that one? No, I think it was like wax head and then we like used a blow dryer to like melt it at a higher frame rate. I'm pretty sure. And then that's like how it sped up to melt but I think it was just like a lot of layers of a wax 
mode I want to wear. That's so cool. (laughs) I mean, the whole movie definitely has that sort of grunge DIY aesthetic. So it's neat that you were able to do it with wax and a blow dryer. How cool. Yeah. I mean, this movie just has so much style and it's one of those kind of standout visual moments amongst quite a few really incredible visual moments that you managed to capture. You know, and it it is this really fun kind of lighthearted story but at the same time you go some like very serious places with it you tackle things like homophobia transphobia conversion camps bullying you know escaping abuse all kinds of things many people feel like oh horse should just be fun and not necessarily be political we disagree we love political horror horror is political in our opinions um do you, why do you think horror is such a good vehicle for talking about complex issues um i think because i mean obviously like it can be still fun but then again you get the extra layer of depth and like all the political stuff but like so it has two ways you can enjoy it like just surface level or you can kind of like look mm-hmm. deeper and be like oh this actually has a meaning and like a look at society from different perspectives but at the same time, it's also campy, it's gory, it's got a lot of blood and it's fun, which I think kind of works well, rather mm-hmm. than just like if someone saw a drama, they'd be like less inclined to be like, oh, this is just from someone else's perspective. I'm not having fun. It's just kind of depressing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great point. We always say that like horror brings down your defenses so that you can receive important things and not even realize that what's happening. <laughs> We're ha- you're getting basically brain hacked, which I think is one of the great <laughs> things about the, yeah. you know, the genre. <laughs> so there is a pretty brutal gay bashing scene at the very start of your film that feels really accurate to a lot of young queer people's personal experience, but it's also very hard to watch as an audience member. Why did you feel like it was important to include that? Yeah, I mean, that was like a really hard scene to like do as well. I think it's important because like a lot of times at the moment, like queer joy in film, which is great. Obviously, you don't want to just see like cis people being like queer sadness all the time. But I think when it's like an accurate queer person's making it, I feel like it's kind of, you can't really just remove all the parts of queer life that like that happens, unfortunately. And it still happens a lot of places. So I was like, that's why I included the bullying and of course like the like brutality of the bullying like of course I could have just been like a bit of pushing and say gay but the truth is like people say faggot still and it's quite normalized in society especially in Australian society especially where I live so I just wanted to include those things to show you like still does happen to youth and stuff yeah, yeah I think that impact really comes across the the reality of people's lived experience is so important to show in film and I think you do a beautiful job of capturing that yeah, absolutely and you know, I, this is a little hard tradition or transition after that. But but one of the things <laughs> I loved about it is even though you did kind of go some dark places, ultimately we kind of end in a place of queer joy, like you said, and trans joy. Why do you think it's just as important to show those tell those kinds of stories as the ones that are empathy builders um, around queer pain and queer struggle? I don't know. I just want to show that there's like, obviously like there's shit that you deal with as a queer person, but at the end of it, not at the end of it, it's not like a, just a linear trajectory, but um, I guess I want to show that there was also like the whole vampire is like the fan found family and that there is like happiness. Obviously their goal was to move like as a drag queen and like to a better city. And obviously that's what it does at the end, but that's not realistic. But like, at the same time, I do want to show that there are possibilities other than just being stuck and like being able to find your people community. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's yeah. really important. I do. And it, it's a lot of times the stories are not, are like told for not for us in that way. You know what I mean? And I think 
And they, uh, a lot of times they become about like educating other audiences. And so what I love about yours is you pull everybody along, but I kind of feel like it's bias for us. You know, was that something that you were thinking about when you were making the film? A thousand percent. Because like, I mean, obviously like cis people can make good queer films sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> I to water it down for the audience as well. Like sometimes people do that for like, straight audiences and obviously like straight people can enjoy the film but I really wanted to include all aspects of queer life like like the drag sequences I don't want to like cut them short or do anything like that and just the whole experience I wanted to make it very queer and not be like oh this is I'm gay I'm trans I'm non-binary just have like people educating themselves like a lot of sometimes mainstream films they just like take a moment out of the film to be like this is my identity but like I didn't want to have the characters explain that like Kurt's gay from the very and queer from the very onset April's trans she doesn't like her first line isn't like oh trans women are women you know it's like just there yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I know that's really great and there's also this sweetness in how the queer characters in your movie kind of protect and love each other and take care of each other did showing that kind of found family come from a personal place for you yeah I mean especially like on my own transition journey like other trans women and like queer people have like been very like monumental it's like happiness and everything so I just wanted to I don't think there's like a lot of films that show like found family and especially in horror as well I was like I don't know yeah. like vampires it's such an easy thing to do as well it's like they're already mm-hmm. kind of initiating you into something but this is like helping the person rather than like hindering them or anything but yeah I think it's just like a beautiful thing to show yeah I mean we're huge fans of near dark and that's yeah. kind of metaphorically a queer story was what I loved about this is it kind of took that subtext and made it text um and really modernized it I think um yeah yeah I think it's it's great you mentioned obviously you did not cut the drag scene short which I appreciated because I am a huge drag a lover of all things drag uh queen related so when I first heard that opening dialogue I was like yeah that voice sounds familiar (laughs) I know that voice (laughs) can you tell me a little bit about how you got um Bendela Krim and etc etc how did they get involved with the project so Bendela Krim I just kind of reached out because I've been a fan of them for a while and I was like I'm working on a film would you be interested they got back they were and then that was pretty amazing I wasn't expecting that either and then we just went from there and recorded it like online um and then etc etc she was touring for Drag Race Down on the season one like to Adelaide and then I just messaged her like a week before I was like hey I have a small scene would you be down and then she was I know I've worked with her twice she's in my latest film we just wrapped oh, as well wow. and yeah they were both really lovely and it was a very cool experience to work with professionals and I mean even like the one of the performers at the club she's like from the original Legos which is like the first trans performers in Australia they're like the first trans women on TV in like the 70s so like that was like incredible as well so yeah Wow, that's amazing. And I also think it really shows that sometimes all you need to do is ask, like get up the courage to just ask somebody because they may say yes, and then it'll turn into something really wonderful. That's so cool. So there are mentions in the film about how vampires try to blend in, try to hide their identity to protect themselves. Was that an intentional allegory for the trans experience? It wasn't not an intentional. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. I was I mean everything I write is like from a personal place anyway so I guess it just happened to I mean yeah it was was intentional but um (laughs) yeah we'll just go with yes um well there's some really amazing world building in this and I think you know 
especially when with sort of the very mysterious arrival of et cetera, et cetera. Do you kind of see your film? Obviously, we haven't seen the new one yet, but do you kind of see them taking place in a shared universe? Are you building kind of a Aliceverse? I mean, stylistically, like the new one is kind of different. I mean, the third one I just did is more like in the same world I see because et cetera is in that one as well. So kind of, I don't know, because she's playing like an Elvira type character. Ooh. I don't know. Maybe I feel, but then again, I use so like so many of the same actors. It's like, I don't know. Um, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I we'll see, wait to find out. <laughs> yeah, I did see on IMD there, there was a little bit of crossover between your cast and I was like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> so a personal question for me is that after Kurt has been turned into a vampire, there's this great slow-mo scene where he walks through the halls of his high school and all of a sudden he has this like newfound confidence, right? And it reminded me of that scene in the craft after the girls get their powers and they do the slow-mo walk through the high school. Was that an intentional nod to that movie? Yeah, 100%. Uh, <laughs> Um, the sequel i love it yeah awesome (laughs) well i loved it too (laughs) yeah we saw that we clocked it (laughs) i've actually like noticed that as well so yeah oh awesome so on our show the focus of our show is about women identified directors as well as you know trans cis and non-binary uh people who are comfortable to be included in the space where we focus on the work of women and a lot of the people we have spoken with talk about how challenging this business can be for women identified directors and, and you know, basically not non-cis male gen, uh, directors, essentially. Have you found that you face have been facing um, additional challenges, both as a young director and as a, a trans director? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, even like on other sets that I've been on, it's a bit um, icky um from there like mm. just being not educated and stuff and then obviously mm. like being a trans creator being horror you get film bros which is i think probably why right. there aren't as many like queer horror films in the mainstream um because i mean if you look at like craft legacy black christmas like your opinion on the film irrelevant it's kind of like all those female queer films um have been bombed um yeah like it hasn't been like massive but at the same time then you do get those comments like that are unrelated to the film but kind of like through your film being like you're a man blah 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 which is like i mean expected but it's like it's 2022 you know not saying (laughs) get it together (laughs) really now um yeah i mean your story is so inspirational though and one of the things that we find is that a lot of people don't feel like they can do they they would love to make films but they don't necessarily feel like that is something that is available to them as someone who has really made the opportunities for themselves and is really like finding success and creating you know a career for themselves do you have any advice for up-and-coming filmmakers i mean i think just like make the film with whatever like resources you have like when i started i just did like with stop motion like lego figures and then just got like local actors to like do voiceovers and stuff I think you just got to have like some sort of starting platform with whatever you can do to make it. Cause then I was like, I did it with some high school friends and then just like from there built up. So I guess just if you have the passion to make something, I feel like you should just make it and you know, the quality will get better over time. Yeah. That's a, that's great advice to actually start and use that as a learning process instead of trying to work your way into film school or something like that. Yeah. I think I people think are just really afraid cool. to take that leap, you know, and, mm-hmm. but then yeah, when you risk. see someone doing it, you're just like, you know, maybe, maybe I can. And that's what I mean. I think like other 
people, women, queer kids are going to look at Sovam when they see it on Shutter, and and see not just representation on screen because I think obviously that's there and it's so important, but also I think you are going to inspire people because mm. you have made you have demanded space, and I think that's incredibly powerful and so important. Well, we know that your second film is been announced, which is so exciting. Bad Girl Boogie. I cannot wait to apply it directly to my eyeballs. <laughs> um, uh, and it's going to be premiering at Popcorn Frights later this month, which is two movies in one year. That's amazing. Um, incredible. Can you tell our listeners about this or any other projects you have in the works? Yeah, sure. So we shot that in February and January over eight days. Um that we got like an additional day from Sovan, so I was like stepping stone. Um, <laughs> so different because it's not vampires and it's still very queer, like queer on screen, queer behind screen. Um, but I wanted to do like something more like grounded in like character, and it's still like got camp elements, but it's less drag and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's more about like people with like just queer people in high school, and there's like a slasher element. Um, Ooh. Pretty. Gory, like no, I don't want to say like oh. super gory, but like it's a step up from the gore from Sovam, which is really fun. And then, I mean, obviously, I was really lucky as well because I got Bill Mosley to do a voiceover, which I died because like House That's without incredible. I was like, I was not expecting that. I was like, we have this small thing, and then he did it, and it was the nicest person. And I, I was like, okay, um, go dream ticked off, and then <laughs> amazing. Well, I mean, that's very cool um a lot of cool things i'm very grateful for and actually last month as well i haven't spoken about it in an interview yet but we um we wrapped a third film which is the one etc etc is in again and that's very trans based it's called t blockers like testosterone blockers but it's also like ties into the film's horror aspect as well um that's more like a body not body horror because it's like sci-fi there's like worms evil Ooh. men about like a trans girl and a non-binary best friend and it's just like very I don't know it's my favorite and most personal thing I've ever done um but we're editing that at the moment that's kind of everything yeah wow that is incredible it's so that's exciting. everything it's three movies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot you should be incredibly yeah. proud of what you've accomplished and I'm so excited to see what you do next because watching this I think you have such a clear point of view and I think that your your voice is one that is very fresh, very needed, um, very underrepresented, and very exciting. Yeah. And the, the fact that you're so prolific at such a young age is just incredible. And it Inspiring. makes me very excited to get mm-hmm. to watch the evolution as we continue to make movies. It's really exciting. Congratulations. If our listeners want to continue to follow you online to be able to figure out when these projects are coming out and, and keep track of what you're doing, where can they find you on social media? Alice Mamike on both Instagram and Twitter. I think sometimes Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. I know it's so early there and we're really, really grateful. Um, we're excited to share this with our listeners and and for everybody to check out Sovam because I think it's a really special film. And they're going to love it. I know I did. Yep. (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. So that was our chat with Alice. Oh, man. That was so much fun. That was so much fun. Like, such a good sport to get up so early and chat with us. 
I I feel like I loved the movie going into it, but it's always so much fun to to get to know the person behind it because there's so much. What I, what I've learned from this podcast is how much intentionality is behind everything. So get anytime we get to talk to the person that made the film and like get a little bit more of insight into what they were thinking, what how it came about is always so fascinating to me. Yeah, no, it was really interesting. I love getting to pick directors' brains about things. And I also love having things confirmed to me that I think about a movie. Like when I asked her about the craft scene, yes! the reference to the craft, and she was like, yes, that's what I plan. I was like, yes, I knew it. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yes, we're geniuses. We yeah, <laughs> nobody else would have picked that up. <laughs> well, I think she said nobody's asked her about that. So yeah. Maybe yeah. we are geniuses. Oh my God, <laughs> we're geniuses. Confirmed. <laughs> but yeah, I loved hearing about like the special effects, like that. The There's that one scene with the melting that's really, yes, really cool. Yes, I love that scene. It's it's another element that I feel like fits so well into this kind of campy DIY aesthetic, you know, that it's sort of imperfect and and a little bit corny. Do you know but what I mean? Charming, but like looks really cool. Charming as hell. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> And you know what else I, I was just thinking about, too, is when she was talking about movies and directors that had inspired her, she mm -hmm. mentioned The Craft Legacy, which was directed by Zoe Lister-Jones. Yes. And I think I read in some other interview that she also had really liked that newer Black Christmas movie that mm. Sophia Takai had done. And I know that when we reviewed those movies, I was a little bit harsh with both yeah. of them. <laughs> we both were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we both were. But it made me kind of take a step back and think about the fact that sometimes movies just aren't for me and other right. people can get things out of right. them that maybe I didn't get. And that there's still mm -hmm. people who can be inspired by something that I thought was imperfect. I just, I don't know. It made me think about it a little differently. No, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to go back and look at it with fresh eyes. I do remember with the craft legacy in particular, like it had such an amazing buy story. I mean, it yeah, they immediately buried our gay, but still, it was something that we had not really seen a lot of that I think was so important and actually really, really well done. Yeah. Um, I was also back to our interview with Alice. It was fun to hear how Vindela Krim and et cetera, et cetera, joined the cast because I'm yeah. such a drag race like head. That, <laughs> yeah. That that's, I, I mean, I just think that's, it comes back to this gumption that so many of these directors have to just like ask. Yeah. You know, I always think about Hannah Bergholm who directed Hatching, like how she just got the best special effects person by being, yeah, I want the best special effects person. Why wouldn't I ask for that? Because that's what I want. And I think there's a lesson in that. Take yeah. it. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I don't know. I'm excited to see what they do next. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this before we wrap it up? No, no. All right, cool. As we mentioned before, Sovam is available now on Shutter, or if you're a patron, it'll be on Shutter tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely check that out. So if you have already checked it out, maybe you got to see it at one of the film festivals, or you're hearing this after um, it's dropped on Shutter. We'd love to hear what you thought about it, or if you have questions, thoughts, concerns, whatever the case may be, you can always drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com. You can come chat with us over on the Facebook group, or if you're cool, you can come follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ZG Podcast, plural. 
Uh, if you're enjoying the show, it would mean a ton to us if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your pods. And if you're looking for something else spooky to watch tonight because you've already watched Sovam, obviously, you should check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at zombiegirls.com where we keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening on all the millions of streaming services. And yeah, if you want to support us financially, we'll take your money. You can definitely do so a couple of ways. You can buy some of our awesome merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch, or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls. We get all kinds of cool perks like extended episodes. You can join our Discord. Uh, you get bonus episodes. And also you get the incredible inner peace and self-satisfaction of supporting a starving artist. <laughs> Ariel, why don't you go ahead and take us out? <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for another episode of More Deadly Director's Cut. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you guys are enjoying all of these interviews as much as Rachel and I are enjoying conducting them. Thanks to Alice Mayo McKay for sitting down with us for that amazing interview. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks to my co-host Ariel, who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly, editing was done by Ariel Missman Rucker, and our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Moore.